Good morning, everyone. I was going to say in this nice warm morning, but I don't think Deborah and Rolex are enjoying the cold. (laughs) But a warm welcome this morning to everyone. A warm welcome. And folks, as as you probably heard said there, um, there's going to be a wee bit of talk about Haiti. We had a great morning yesterday at the men's breakfast. It was fantastic. It was really, really good. The, 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 The sense of God... Was was palpable. Um, it was it was brilliant. But today's the church's um, version of that for this morning. But before before we go on to speak about that, there's, there's quite a lot because we have communion today, which is so important. So the, the talk about Haiti isn't central. Right, it, 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 it's important, but it's not central to our service this morning. Um, there's two things. There's the word. And there's a breaking of the bread. Now, th- that's the important parts of this. And other things as well. They all, they all work together. So I, I felt it's really, really important this morning, before we talk about Haiti, that we put it in the context it should be in within the word. You know, because the danger is when you talk about aid work and things like that, particularly in Christian circles, it gets rolled into the world's view of charity. Right? It gets rolled into that. Uh, and, and as we all know, charity in the world stems from the heart of people. And as Christians, we know it comes out of the heart of people. <laughs> Even if it looks good, <laughs> you scratch it, you can usually find there's an ulterior motive underneath it somewhere. So it's to set it in the context of that. And in order to do that, um, the, the word this morning is from Second Corinthians 8. This will be a brief one because we have a very packed service this morning, but it's important that, that what we speak about this morning is, is in this context. So it's 2 Corinthians 8. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints, and they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then to us in keeping with God's will. So we urged Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning to to bring also to completion this act of grace in your part. But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. This is God's word in me, he bless it to our hearts this day. And that's really what the message is. It's about the grace of giving. It's the grace of giving. Um, there's a sort of subheading to that, the grace of giving through the grace of loving. It's a wee bit of a but I'm not too keen on those things on that front and what the background of this giving here is the 
church in Jerusalem was very poor. Very, very poor. If you can imagine a small band of Christians right at the heart of the Jewish world. So you're not going to get a lot of donations from outside. And Paul and Titus and that have been out trying to raise funds for the church in Jerusalem who are very, very poor. And the Macedonian church, which is northern Greece to us, right? They're under a lot of persecution at this point, but they've heard about the need in Jerusalem. Now, they're not doing too great themselves, but they've heard, and they've actually asked Paul, can we get involved in this work? This work for you. So that's the background to it. And Paul says that, he says, the grace that God gave the Macedonian church, that upwelling of a need to help, we need to help others, we need to help others. Now the world would turn around and say to him, you've not got it, you're poor also. It's the grace of God working in them. And they just, it overpowers them, no we need to help. You've not got much, but what we've got you can have. That's, that's God at work because the world says this is what the world says charity begins at home that's what the world says that's not what God says God says through me through me and that's what they do there but there's, there's, important, there's an important sort of circular thing going on here and that's always what happens with God God doesn't work in small parts and straight lines God works in a circular motion because the first thing that the Macedonians did is they gave themselves to God first. It says it there, 8.5, they gave themselves first of all to the Lord. And that's very, very important. Giving of money or assistance or time or anything without the Lord is purely a human driven thing. You're meeting a need within yourself. That's the truth of it. The Macedonians knew this. They knew that the order is, I need to give myself to the Lord first. Everything that I have is his. For him to do what he wants with it. And that's where their basis starts. That's where it starts for them. Everything in the Lord. But you're poor, doesn't matter. The Lord will provide. So they first of all give themselves to the God. To God. And that's where the grace of giving comes in. So it's this circular thing comes back on them. If you don't give yourself to God, he's not going to feed that. He's not going to bring that grace of giving through. And the grace of giving is a hallmark of the Christian faith. Our whole faith is based on someone who gave. Who gave everything. Who gave everything. And Paul brings that through. 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. It's a hallmark of the Christian faith and the Christian life that we give. And we're not just talking money here. We're, that's not what we're talking time, we're talking love, we're talking support. And if any, most of us have been involved in situations where you've got to give to others. It could be just your time, your support, an ear. That's always the one I find hardest to give an ear to somebody because <laughs> I'm too busy wanting to talk. Right? <laughs> to give to somebody. And there'll be times when you're tired and you're hungry and you've had a hard day at work and somebody needs you. And inside you're like, oh, I could see this far enough. 
That's when you need to give yourself to the Lord. Because it's only through him, through his strength. Do you think our Lord really wanted to go to that cross? Do you think he wanted to go to the garden? If this cup can pass me by. But not not my will, your will be done. And that's the the circular part. The Macedonians didn't actually give themselves to God first. Jesus gave himself to them then they gave themselves to him and that's how it keeps moving forward and that's what we need to couch the whole of the Haiti mission or any mission work that we're involved in God gave of himself to us first what we're doing is living that out if we're not doing that if we're doing it for another motive Keep your money, keep your time. It doesn't work. It will not multiply in God's way. It will be like a dead fish in the water. And it must be from God. God, Jesus gave of himself first. Then we give to him, we give ourselves to him. We have nothing to bring other than ourselves. Rags as they are, we give them to him. And from there God takes it forward. And that's what the mission work in Haiti is all about. This is God's word and may he bless it to our hearts this day. Amen. This is Haiti, guys. It's in the Caribbean. It's the poorest country in the world. And look how close it is to the richest country in the world. It's a boat ride. It's a mere boat ride. And it's a mere boat ride right next to Florida. And then you've got the Bahamas. And all those places where the bank accounts and the big yachts sit. Yeah, this is the poorest country in the world. Right there. It shares an island with the Dominican Republic. Dominican Republic, a Spanish-based culture. Very Spanish. On that island there in the Caribbean. Um, it was Haiti was... It was colonised by the French. It was a slave island. That's the bottom line of it. The British had the Bahamas as slave islands. The Spanish had Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic. And the French had Haiti and Martinique, I think, on there. All slave islands. Horrific. Horrific. That's another story on that front. Haiti became the world's first black republic when they threw out the French. The world's first. Slavery still hadn't ended in the world. And Haiti became the first black republic when they threw out the French. But when the French left, they totally stripped the country. They stripped the country. And, and that was the start of the impoverishment. So you would think of people coming out of slavery, the, the last thing you need is to steal everything from them. How bad do you need to be to steal from slaves? How horrific is that? That's the truth of it. It is a population of about 10 million, roughly twice the size of Scotland. 80% of Haitians live in poverty. And that's below the subsistence level. That's just below enough to eat. Over half are in abject poverty. That means two, three days, maybe not eating. That's what you're talking there. Bear in mind, you're just off the coast of Florida. And the Dominican Republic's got a big tourist where a lot of people go to. 70% of Haitians have no regular employment. People are constantly looking for wee things to make some money to stay alive, to keep going. 70% live in less than $1.50 a day. 
that's just over a pound, it's about pound twenty. Life expectancy is 50 years for a man. Just a wee quick survey here. All the guys that are over 50, you put your hand up. You're all dead. <laughs> if you're on Haiti, you're no sitting here. That's the truth of it. You're dead. And this was part of the church that was all knocked down um, when we first went away back. And people were sitting amongst that, and that was us clearing part of it. The reality in Haiti is Haiti's been struck by an earthquake. Over three and a half million people affected by the earthquake in 2010. 220,000 people killed like that. Now that's a conservative estimate. That's nearly a quarter of a million. Just like that. Over a million and a half people, a million and a half people homeless. 300,000 homes destroyed. So, that's more than everybody in Glasgow being homeless. Like that. So imagine the whole of Glasgow, homeless overnight. And in Haiti, they don't have a fire brigade, they don't have hospitals, they don't have ambulances. The town that the pastor comes from in Wanameath is about the size of maybe air. It's maybe about 130, 150,000, somewhere in that bracket. There is no municipal electricity, no water, no sewage. 150,000 people, no sewage, no water. That's what you're living with. There was enough rubble that you could fill... 40 feet containers and put them end on end and they would stretch from London all the way through the Mediterranean right up to Beirut that's a lot of rubble and you don't have JCBs you don't have tractors, you don't have anything that can move it so when it all collapses you're all living in it with the dead bodies on top of that the United Nations sent in troops the troops come in, and normally the United Nations, what they do is they pick a culturally similar country to send troops in from. So if you're working in Africa, the troops would come from an African nation. Stephen's country, Nigeria, they supply a lot of soldiers in, to the UN to deal with different things in Africa. So that's what you do. They're very different as countries, but you're near enough, you're in the area. The United Nations, for some strange reason, decided to send troops from Nepal in northern India to the Caribbean. They don't even speak the language. Those troops went into Haiti, they built the barracks, they did not connect up the latrines properly. And all their toilet waste polluted the water table in Haiti. 10,000 Haitians died of cholera. And the United Nations tried to cover it up. It's only recently the families have had some sort of success. Haiti had never known cholera, ever. Because it was an island that was isolated. The Nepalese troops brought the bacteria in, in their stomachs. So cholera is now in Haiti. On top of everything else. They are also afflicted by hurricanes every year. The last big one before that one there, there was a thousand people killed. Houses destroyed. It's a whole different level of hard grinding life. But, 
The world doesn't reckon on our God. They don't reckon on our God. Because you see, I can only talk about one place. There's a small church in one, I mean, the northern border town. Called Trinity Church of Jerusalem. And the people there prayed. And they prayed. And they prayed. And then one day, a group of guys from Christon and Moody'sburn and Lindsay and roundabout turned up and met this guy. And he looked at us, and we looked at him, and we thought, right, what do we do? We didn't know what we were to do, but we knew that God had called because people prayed. And their prayers were answered. Personally, I think God could have answered them with somebody a bit more capable, but He chose us. And we went there. And the thing that, that's not the right one, the, the one thing that really struck me, and we all see mission work in different ways, the architect sees it in terms of the buildings and the structures, the, the accountant, one of the accountant guys, he sees it in terms of funding. The way I see. One I mean in Haiti is the children. As soon as I saw the children, I was like, "You need to do something, no matter how long it takes. You need to do something." And that's what we've done. Now we're involved in. I'll come back to these ones. The, the future for these children. And Pastor Rolex said, "The thing that we need most is a school. We need a school. The children have no structure for education." You saw the literacy figures. Only 50% of Haitians can read and write. How are you ever going to get out of that poverty if only 50% can read and write? Only 10% of children enrolled at primary school will go to high school. So you end your primary school and that's it. Because life is so difficult, you've got to go and work. Haiti lost most of its professional people. In the late 20th century, they all headed to America and Canada and different places. How do you dig yourself out of this? And the pastor's view is education. Education is how we get out of this. Remember what I've bracketed this in. This is all through a church. It's not just education on its own. It's education in the sphere of God's work. On that. And that's what we've been working towards. And you'll see a wee bit more of that in a minute. But this church specifically has raised funds both for the school. But there are, there are people who have chosen to sponsor individuals in Haiti. They've heard about their stories, about their life. And they've chosen to sponsor them. Here's one such story here. This young woman here. Her name's Jocelyn. And Jocelyn is a mother of two little boys, um, Emmanuel and Jesus. Right? One's about eight, one's about five, eight and five. Jocelyn lost her house because her husband put her out, all based on her faith in Christ. And the pastor managed to give her a, a little bit of a, a hut at the back of a building in the ground. No windows, a door, a corrugated steel roof, and it was tiny. And they were in it. But members of the Sunshine Club here and a person that I know decided to club together and support that woman and they pay a monthly donation that will give that gives Jocelyn a home and will put the two boys through school. They have never been to school ever. 
Now in all the time that I've been in Haiti and we've met Jocelyn, I never seen Jocelyn smile once. She didn't smile, did she not, Pastor? She doesn't smile. We were there this time and through the year people had just... I've even come home and envelopes getting put through my door. We just marked on it for the girl in Haiti, whatever it is. So we gathered that up through the year. This year we took it out and it worked out with roughly about $900. This was just for individual gifts to, to people. And that's Jocelyn getting the gift from the Sunshine Club and some other people, roughly about $300. $300 will go so far to get her a home and food and then there'll be a monthly thing that happens on that. What I'm pointing at there is a photograph of the Sunshine Club and I'm explaining to you who the donation's coming from. Uh, I'll not tell what I said about you, Nancy. Uh, <laughs> that was one person. This is David. David lost both arms in a high voltage electricity accident. He's both arms above the elbow gone. David's in terrible pain. Terrible pain. He's, the ends of his arms are covered by socks to stop the nerve endings rubbing his, because he has, they gave him like, it's the equivalent of getting aspirin. He doesn't even take them now because they're pointless. And people had asked me, well there was two people in particular asked me that if we could give specifically an amount of money to him. So we gave him $300 but there will be more going to him David lives at the, the pastor's church he lives in the church that's where he sleeps, that's where he goes and you'll see a wee bit about David near the end he's such a joyful and his heart is full of the Lord he lost both arms this is a lovely, lovely man his name's Antoine Antoine's about 40 something Antoine's been struck down by a debilitating disease. It looks like a neurological thing, maybe like Parkinson's, something like that. He's got tremors and that. He's immobile. That's where he lies all day. He's in a small concrete room. That's a double bed. There are seven people live in that wee room. Seven. In the heat. And when I spoke to Antoine, I was chatting to him. And do you know who Antoine prays for? He prays for you. He prays all the time as he lies there. He doesn't lie there thinking about himself. He prays to God. And we brought him a wee gift. And we told him clearly, Antoine, you need to know this is not charity. You are our brother in Christ. We are responsible for our brothers and sisters. It's our responsibility. And that's not just some schmaltzy, schmoozy sort. That's the truth. Christ gave himself to us. We must give ourselves to others. Like the Macedonian church to the church in Jerusalem. That's what's happening there, our brother in Christ. And it was quite funny because we're having a laugh. We had a laugh because his big son there, he, said, he told me, he says, he won't go to church He's too busy fixing his hair and hanging out with his friends. So the pastor told him that I, was a, I used to be a boxer. And he said, if you don't go to church, he's going to come back and box your ears. There's two things that you will notice about Haitian people. 
Number one, their strength of spirit is phenomenal. In the face of such a hard, hard life, it's phenomenal. The other thing you'll notice is their sense of humour. Haitians love a laugh. The very, very west of Scotland, like, very, there's always a wee cheeky thing going on. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. We will be building the school. The pastor now has the contract that we've signed. Along with various other fundraising bodies, predominantly Church of Scotland Women's Guild, who partnered with us three years ago. We have raised the funds, which are roughly about £130,000, something like that. The pastor now has a contract. We met with the engineer and the builders, and we look to have that finished for the end of this year. A school for 300 children. A school for 300 children. Incredible. And that all started about seven years ago. That's the power of God. He can take people who don't know what they're doing <laughs> and use them as long as they're prepared to give themselves to God. Now, I'm going to ask Pastor Rolex to come up here so you can hear. Pastor, welcome this morning here. Thank you. And are you enjoying the weather in Scotland? Uh, no. um, not really. <laughs> it's too cold for me. Too cold. But I enjoy my staying here. So it was nice. So it's kind of my last day, so I have to fly back tomorrow morning. So really, I enjoy it because the people are very smiling, they're very cute, they're very nice. So it's one of the nicest places in the world. So it's a beautiful Scotland. Yeah. I keep that, and, I'll, and I have a lot of stories to tell my folk back when I and when I met. And what did you think of square sausage? <laughs> it is first square sausage yesterday. <laughs> it was. Mm. And he porridge this morning. <laughs> He's like, like that. Yeah. that. Pastor, could you tell me, tell the church a little bit about um, your church and what I mean, the size okay. and how many people? So, I'm Pastor Olex, uh, Pastor Olex, I can do watch. <laughs> but sorry, I'm not a watch, I'm human. And so I'm expensive, you are expensive because the blood of Christ pays for your, pays for your salvation. Mm. You are all expensive. I'm a pastor of a, a small church. Um, every Sunday we, uh, we, we get two services on Sunday morning. The first one is um, we got um, about uh, 100 uh, person praying, washing God together. So our services uh, last uh, for four hours. Is um, the second one is for the young. Uh, we have about uh, 500 young people praising God together. So yeah, it's very amazing. <clears throat> so the second service is last uh, four hours. So I have to preach for one or two hours sometimes <laughs> without drinking water like uh, mm. <laughs> So, you know, um, I'm from here, it's very hot. So thank you for your warm welcome here. I need, really need it. <laughs> thank you. Um, Haiti, you know, is the poorest country in the world. As former slave, 
So things are very difficult for us, especially for the children. So they don't have opportunity to go to school. It's very hard for them. So we try hard through uh, Mission International to build. So things are going on very well. So I have to thank my friend, my best friend in the world. Really. <laughs> He's a good man to us. We really love him. Because at the church, he dances with the ladies. Sure, I told him. The problem uh, we have in Haiti, so because the lady, the lady, the, for, for example, uh, the woman, they don't have a husband. Sometimes they have to take care of four, five, or even more children all by themselves. So it's very hard. This is why uh, I ask um, assistance from mm-hmm. Mission International. And through Victor, God is working through Victor. He's very good. He's a nice man. Uh, so I wish I would take him to Haiti and <laughs> you won't have Victor again. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. Haiti is. I don't know how to describe that. But things is very hard for us there in Haiti. The children, the church, the families there. Um, but I remember one day we were very desperate. We don't know what to do. Victor was with us. He said, let's just pray. God, prayer is the answer. And then we keep praying. And now God is working. God is building a better world for us through Victor through Mission International. So thank you to you too, especially this church. Thank you for the sunshine, you uh, woman. Get off. Sunshine, get off. Sunshine, woman. Tracy, thank you for your support. Thank you for your uh, Thank you for all you have done for uh, the brothers and sisters in Wanamin, for the Christians of Wanamin. So we are very grateful to you. Thank you so much. Pastor, is there anything in particular that you would like the people to pray for? Especially for for my family, the ministry, and brothers and sisters in Wanamai. Hmm. That would be great. We really need your prayer. So being a pastor in Wanamai is not very easy. It's very difficult to face uh, this problem we have. So please pray for me, especially for my family. So we want to be with God. We want to be with Christ when He comes back. So please pray for us. Thank you, Pastor. And just to let you know, the difficulties that the pastor faces is voodoo is so powerful on that island. And there are so many people against the pastor and the Christian message. The the Christian population is less than 10%. So this guy is on the front line, not just in the difficulties of the poverty, but the spiritual war against darkness. That's what they're facing. So, could you please keep Pastor Rolex, his wife Linda, and his children in your prayers because they, they are a unit. 
that stands there. And the pastor says it's a small church. It's roughly about, I think, about 12, 1,300 people. So there you go. And it's growing and growing and growing and growing. When we first went, it was only 700, 700 people. So there you go. That's what God does. That's God. And much as I'm, I'm Scottish and I'm really uncomfortable with praise and, and thanks and that, the glory in all this is God's. It's God's glory. I'm just a, I'm just a half-wit from Moody's bum. Really, that's the truth there. And God lifted me up. He reached down into dark waters, picked me up, stood me on dry ground and said, you're mine. And he just sends me places. And we do something. And then I come back and I annoy you people. And then you give me, and then we take, and it just keeps going. So a special thanks from both of us for the changes in the lives that's happening in Trinity Church. I want to mean, you'll get to hear more. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The man together yesterday. I had a wonderful morning yesterday. Thank you so much.